So if you think about digital growth at the center of it all is relationships and human connection. And when you understand how people operate, when you understand the, their motivations and what drives them, then you can better serve and, and provide those solutions and give them the courage and the confidence, because this is all about recognizing it's, it's that self-awareness and it's not just self-awareness of yourself. It's, you know, the person sitting across the table from you as well. You're listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales, and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series, where James Robert interviews the industry's top marketing, sales, and fintech leaders, sharing practical wisdom to exponentially elevate you and your team. Let's get into the show. Greetings and hello. I am James Robert Lay and welcome to the 124th episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series and I'm excited to welcome Audrey Kanata to the show. Audrey is a content and community specialist here at the Digital Growth Institute where she is also a Colby certified consultant, which is in fact what we are going to dive deep on together for you today. Welcome to the show, Audrey. This is going to be a fun, almost really a behind-the-scenes conversation, one that you and I have multiple times a week because Colby is a key tool. It's a resource for financial brands, one that they can use to do two things, and really three, to educate, to empower, and to elevate their teams to maximize their digital growth potential. So I'm glad you're here. Thank you, James Robert. I'm so happy to be here. I have been working behind the scenes with you over, I think, the last 120 plus podcasts. And so it's super cool to be on the other side with you, um, giving everyone a little sneak peek into our daily dialogue so that we can share this with our community. Absolutely. And and before we dive deep into that, my favorite question to always open up with, as you know, as you have, as you mentioned, you've been working behind the scenes here and now we're getting to come front stage a little bit. What what are you most excited about right now, either personally, professionally? It's always your pick. Well, personally, hey, my kids are back in school. I think we can all get on the same page with that. There's something to be said about having a nice peaceful, quiet home, especially in this world of remote. An uninterrupted Zoom call is always pretty fantastic and appreciated. So that's what's going well personally. And then professionally, hey, we have a lot of things going on over here that we're working towards, especially when it comes to community. We're doing a lot of good reading, you and I and the rest of the team, some books there. So excited to see how community is going to play a part in 2022. Yes, and a big shout out to Aaron Caldwell from MX, who was just on the podcast, had a great conversation and dialogue, really looking at building community, digital community, and some of the things that they're doing at MX. And we're we're looking at at doing even more over the over the coming year because when you think about digital growth, it's a journey. It's a journey that you don't have to take on your own. In fact, from our experience, we have found that when working together, not only as a team internally, because there's the internal community, but then also connecting with peers, connecting with colleagues, 
you're now on this journey and even you help facilitate these book clubs that we do. And I think that's always neat. It's the connections, right, that people are making here through these book clubs and ultimately through communities. And when I think about connections and I think about growth, I think about transformation, one of the things that we talk a lot about is the four transformations, transforming the self first and foremost. Then you can transform the team from there, the organization, because organizations are made up of teams, which are made up of individuals. And then finally, transform the lives of people in the communities that a financial brand serves. And so many times we try to transform the organization, digital transformation, but we're not thinking about transforming the individual. And that's where we can think of ancient philosophy, know thyself, really comes into play. And and I think that's 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 the whole idea of Colby. And so to begin with, for context, for the dear listener, what is Colby, and I think more formally, the Colby Cognitive Index, so that we can give the dear listener a foundation to begin with? Because this has been a big area of focus and study for you uh, now over the past few months, more, more specifically. Absolutely. So the Colby Cognitive Index was created by a woman named Kathy Colby. She just so happens to be the daughter of the gentleman who created the Wonderlick test, which is a pretty well-known IQ test. So she's been studying testing and different types of tests and results for quite some time. And what is unique about this particular assessment is that it provides clarity into your natural innate strengths, meaning these are strengths that are simply who you are and have been since birth. And so it gives you a chance to leverage those initiating strengths into both your personal and professional life. And when I think about natural operating strengths, uh, my digital technology mind kind of goes into the OS, the operating system of the mind here. And I'm curious from your point of view and your perspective, your expertise, why is Colby so important for financial brands to consider as a key tool for them to really begin to maximize their future digital growth potential? So if you think about digital growth at the center of it all is relationships and human connection. And when you understand how people operate, when you understand the, their motivations and what drives them, then you can better serve and, and provide those solutions and give them the courage and the confidence, because this is all about recognizing it's, it's that self-awareness and it's not just self-awareness of yourself. It's, you know, the person sitting across the table from you as well. I can hear some people thinking we're already doing some of this when it comes to talent development and educating and empowering our people, empowering our teams. For example, we might be using DISC. We might be using Myers-Briggs. We might be using Strength Finders. What's the difference here, say, between Colby and the cognitive part of the brain versus what DISC and Myers-Briggs and some of these other tools and assessments are looking at? What makes Colby so unique? Just to back up and give you a little historical perspective as to as to what makes Colby unique is if you look back at ancient philosophers and even modern psychologists, there are three different parts of the mind. You've got your thinking, your feeling, and your doing. And the cognitive part of your mind is the doing. 
And that is where your striving instincts are, your, your natural way of taking action, your, your MO, your modus operandi, and identifies um, those strengths that you've had since birth. Now, on the flip side, you've got your cognitive side of your mind, and that's going to be your thinking side. So those are going to be your skills, your IQ, it's your knowledge, it's your experience. So that's going to be your wonderlick test, if you will, or any industry specific assessments. Those can change and they should change. If you take an assessment two years ago, you should improve, I would hope, on a current assessment. So those are designed to improve and change over time. The second part of your mind is your effective side, and that's going to be your feeling side. So this is where your desires and motivation and your attitudes come into play. And this is where you see, as you mentioned before, your DISC assessments, your Myers-Briggs assessments. And again, like your thinking side, your intelligence side, these can change as well. I know we've seen and read the book by Dr. Benjamin Hardy, Personality Isn't Permanent. So both of those are designed to change. Now, those are both all great assessments and, and very important parts um, of the mind. But I think the missing piece that gets overlooked so often is that conative side. It's how you're actually going to take action and it's how you use your mental energy and your instincts. That's a fantastic point is this idea your intelligence, your IQ will continue to transform it'll evolve the the more you know the more you grow kind of a thing and and that's where being a lifelong learner particularly in this world that we're moving into a world full of exponential complexity i think it scares a lot of people cuz we want that assurance of 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 what is safe what is secure and it, 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 as we've all experienced over the last 12 to 18 months Life has been almost anything but safe and secure. There's always that little bit of doubt in the back of the mind of I, I don't I'm, I'm longing for January of 2020. The same thing, personality episode number 26. Doctor Benjamin Hardy, as you mentioned, we really went deep into that book, into his thinking there, and he does. He takes on disc. He takes on Myers Briggs, and it's a multi-billion-dollar industry, but. He's an organizational psychologist, so he's seen the transformation of personalities. And and now we have the conative. That's built in. Like that's your op that's when when you are beautifully and wonderfully made, that is your that's who you are. And I, we'll we'll get into this in a in, in a moment. What happens when you're not working within your these 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 operating strengths. So I'm 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 really curious here, knowing these three different parts of the mind when using Colby as a tool to educate and empower teams. We look at the what are called the four action modes, and this gets really deep. So let's unpack each one of these pretty slowly because I know that this is where someone who is listening to this for the very first time. We've seen it happen when working with, <laughs> with, with our own clients in, in the program. They start to get a little, little bit overwhelmed. And so let's just break each one of these. What are these modes and why are they important to know and understand? Sure. So the four different operating modes, you've got fact finder, you've got follow through, you have quick start, 
and you have implementer. And every single one of us has some amount of each of those modes. However, the intensity or the degree varies, which means the effectiveness or reliability or your level of stress may change when operating in these modes. So taking this further, and I know we said we'd, we'd touch back on this in a little bit, but when you work outside of, of your operating modes, that's when you tend to drain your energy. And so it's not that you can't operate outside those modes. It's 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 like the curse of the capable. Just because you can do something doesn't mean it's worth your time and energy. So when we identify exactly where we sit on these continuums, we can learn to plan accordingly. We can predict behaviors better. We can be better communicators and be more effective in our personal and professional roles. And I th- that's a great point. It's the curse of the capable. Just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should do something. It's an area of study that we're really starting to look at this idea of what is a person's growth ability? What are those three things that really energize them that they could do, you know, 10, 12 hours a day? Not advocating for that. In fact, what we're we're finding is... we have to set some boundaries, particularly in this remote world, because we are more than just the work that we do. And that's where I find a lot of financial brand marketing teams, sales teams, and, and really even leadership teams, they get stuck in the doing. And we have to create the space and time to break free, to review, to learn, to think, and then to do even better through that next round of of iterations. So we have these four action modes. Let's dive deeper into the first one here being fact finder. What does that actually mean and and how can we might apply this within just the own work that the the dear listener is doing here? Sure, so just to kind of back up a little bit and and paint a picture of what these action modes look like and, and what your results might look like is, you're gonna receive a number one through 10 in each of these different action modes. So if you think of it as like a continuum versus a high versus low. For example, if you receive a three in one area, that's not necessarily, I mean, it's not a weakness at all. It's actually a strength. It just means you're more resistant in that area. And and resistance can be very much a, a strength. So when you're thinking about these results and you're thinking about your Colby score, and the numbers that you receive, just know that there are absolutely no weaknesses and it's all strengths in their own different ways. And I'll give you a personal example. I'm a three in quick start, which means that I'm, I am I stabilize. I'm very risk averse. I protect what's working. And that's not a bad thing at all. There's many times where we need that, especially when I'm working alongside you, James Robert, who is a nine in quick start. We need that counter, that counterbalance. Yeah, and we'll come back to our scores here because I think it'll be helpful to provide some context into how we can utilize and apply this knowledge. And that's a great point you make, that this is on a contingency. It's not a good or a bad. It's 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 how you were made. This is your natural operating strengths. And so just because you're high in one area and low in another, it's not a positive or a, a, a negative. It's actually kind of where you initiate, if you will, and get the. it's where you get the most energy too. And it's also what can drain you on the opposite end of the spectrum. So with that in mind, Let's go back to fact finder here. Sure. 
So fact finder is going to be how you gather and share information. So this is going to be your probing instinct and your need to investigate in depth. So if you find yourself an initiating fact finder, you have this need to specify. You tend to need details. You tend to need to know why. You ask questions. You're going to do research before you solve a problem. And what's interesting enough, fact finders tend to have the hardest time filling out the Colby assessment because their answers typically are, well, it depends. Give me more information. And on the opposite right. end of the continuum, you have those who counteract in fact finding. And this, these are people who have a need for simplicity. They don't need a lot of information or details before solving a problem. In fact, they tend to get bogged down in too many details. They get, they get overwhelmed with details. They tend to see the big picture or the vision. Think about people like this probably just need an executive summary. Yes. Yes. And, 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 and on that note, I'll go ahead and give a little peek behind the curtain. I'm a three fact finder. You talk about that executive summary. That's exactly what I need. And that's one of the reasons like when, when, when I do research, a lot of it is very high level research and I put together and connect a lot of different sources and look for the patterns, look for the trends, not get too bogged down. Cause if I'm doing that deeper level research as a three fact finder, I can absolutely do it but I know it's going to drain my energy. And so that's where we can take Colby and these different scores and begin to put them together on on a way to work as a team. So now we can begin to balance each other out. So that's fact finder. The next one you mentioned was follow through. Follow through is going to be how you organize and design systems. This instinct causes those to seek a sense of order. And I think it's important to know that follow through is not the same as execution. It's not whether or not you're going to get it done. It's just how you're going to get it done. And so those who initiate and follow through. This means that you systematize. You're the ones who are going to get that plan in place and keep everyone on track. These, these individuals are great for growing and scaling businesses because they need a sense of order and they're naturally going to bring closure. To and these individuals also have a, have a need, feel the need to check things off a list. And I know, again, another little sneak peek, James Robert, you can attest to my level of list making and how wonderful it is to check things off. Absolutely. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, so so you're what we would say is a, a seven on that follow through. So you're seven out of 10 and looking at getting into that building system, systematizing your thinking. I'm a two. I'm a two follow through on that scale of, 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 of one to 10. I'm going to go in there and find ways to break systems, find shortcuts. And even if I know that like this is you're supposed to do A, then B, then C, then D, I'm probably not going to do that just because it's just not how I naturally operate. And if you want me to build a system, once again, I can do it. I'm going to get drained. I'm going to get tired. I'm going to get grumpy. But on... In addition to that, though, James Robert, being in this resistant follow-through area, you're very adaptable and you're very flexible. And so you don't follow the plan because you don't need to follow the plan. You don't want to get boxed in. 
And that's a great point. When you start to look and identify these different scores and patterns, there are certain skill sets, quote unquote, or certain roles that you begin to fall into operate within that natural operating strength. And so when you look at, say, my profile, I'll go ahead and just share it for everyone. I'm a three fact finder. I'm a two follow through. I'm a nine quick start, which we'll dive deep into this here in a moment. And then I'm a four implementer. But that three, two, nine, that is very typical from an entrepreneur. That's very typical from someone in marketing or even in sales. And 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 that brings us to the next point. It's that nine quick start. I mean, you can only go one higher, which would be the 10. And so you're on the other end of that spectrum. You're a three, as we mentioned before. Once again, one is not better than the other. There's not a good, there's not a bad. Let's talk about quick start here and how this is important to understand where an individual falls, and then we can bring the team in for a bigger conversation. Sure. So quick start is going to be how you deal with risk and uncertainty. So it's not about the speed. It's not about how quick or how fast you move. It's how you deal with the future. It's your innovating instinct. It's your willingness to experiment. And so when you've got someone like you who's initiating quick start, it's going to be our natural innovators. It's the ones who can brainstorm ideas. They tend to be able to work last minute. They work under pressure. If you give them a deadline, they'll probably wait to the last minute because that's when they get their most energy. That's when they work most efficiently when they have that sense of urgency. Again, these tend to be entrepreneurs. Technology has transformed our world and digital has changed the way consumers shop for and buy financial services forever. Now consumers make purchase decisions long before they walk into a branch, if they walk into a branch at all. But your financial brand still wants to grow loans and deposits. We get it. Digital growth can feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming for any financial brand marketing and sales leader. But it doesn't have to because James Robert wrote the book that guides you every step of the way along your digital growth journey. Visit www.digitalgrowth.com to get a preview of his best-selling book, Banking on Digital Growth, or order a copy right now for you and your team from Amazon. Inside, you'll find a strategic marketing manifesto that was written to transform financial brands, and it is packed full of practical and proven insights you can start using today to confidently generate 10 times more loans and deposits. Now back to the show. I know I drive event organizers up the wall because they're always wanting to get a slide deck. They're always wanting to, and I'm typically, like you said, it's last minute because that's just where that thought flows and seeing and living through this COVID experience. It's been a very, I would say, you know, having had COVID myself overall, it's been a positive experience not having COVID that is, but just being adaptable, really just jumping in and and just figuring it out and then working with financial brands as a sounding board, as a coach, as a guide to them, because we're going to come back and identify some of the patterns, which is almost the antithesis. It's the exact opposite of what we're talking here with just me personally, that three, two, nine, four, let's talk about the four that's implementer. 
what does that mean? Because I think when you say the word implementer, people like follow through, they get confused as to what that means. Yeah, absolutely. I, I appreciate you bringing that up because being an implementer, it's not the same as following through. This is more of a literal, tangible, how do you work with space and, and visuals, physical. So this is going to be more of your concrete versus abstract, your physical problem solving. Mm -hmm. So tools, maybe, you know, charts and graphs. Also, it, you know, the, the need for the space around you. A lot of implementers are going to be those who they don't like getting boxed in. They need to be able to walk around and move. And so if you are looking at maybe just some different roles, doctors or carpenters, those who work with their hands, they're going to be those high car, me car mechanics, car mechanics. They're going to be those higher implementers. And so we don't really get to talk a whole lot about this operating mode when we are specific to the financial industry, because we, we really aren't doing a lot of tangible work. It's a lot of, you know, services that, that we're selling here. So we don't get a whole lot, but I think when you're thinking about just personally, how you communicate your ideas, whether or not you're, you know, if you're on the lower end, you're more of that visionary. Your ideas are in your head. If you're initiating, you've got to write those out, draw them out, get your whiteboard out. And, and also you probably prefer more face-to-face -face interaction, which is pretty interesting. And, and this is why understanding your, 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 your Colby index and, and, and spe more specifically, there, there are different indexes within Colby. There's the Colby A index, and that's that personal perspective here. I had no idea why I hated, hated, absolutely boarded, like putting together Ikea furniture. Exactly. I can't stand it because I'm a four on this implementer scale. Don't ask me to take a car apart and put it back together. It just is not happening. I'm already exhausted with that IKEA project. I remember in early marriage we had a we had a food that we got from IKEA and it was an all-day project. That's why now like apps like Handy come in handy because I just know if you're wanting me to work with my hands and be very tangible it's going to lead to some friction and, and frustration for sure. So I want to I want to get a little bit more personal here with, with you. What's your Colby profile? We've already alluded to some of this, but now that we have clarity into fact finder, follow through, quick start, and then implement are the four action modes, unpack your Colby profile for us. So I am a six fact finder, a seven follow through, which is my initiating strength. So that's where I'm going to naturally take action. I am a three quick start, which means I'm going to resist and counteract here. And then I am just like you, I'm a four implementer. And, and once again, I'm a three fact finder. I'm a two follow through. I am a nine quick start. So that is my initiating strength. And then I'm a four implementer. When, when you think about yourself, what have been the greatest lessons that you've learned from knowing your Colby profile? Well, that is actually pretty easy. And um, I think you were there for this, for this, I guess, awakening. I was a teacher for about seven years. Great, wonderful experience. It was rewarding. I was, I felt like I was really great at what I did, but I would come home mentally exhausted every single day. By the time my day was done, I had 
nothing left to give my family. It was, it was very taxing and it started to become very stressful and frustrating. I wasn't happy anymore. And, and I felt bad. I felt terrible that I was, I was giving up on this career when I felt like I was giving up on these students, but it wasn't until James Robert, you and I said, and I think one of our very first Colby workshops that we went to together, that I realized that I had spent seven years working outside of my natural operating mode. I have to tell you, I had a Pinterest classroom. I was organized. My lesson plans were incredible. I had a system for everything. Well, and that's because my initiating strength is being a follow through. And what teaching requires is adaptability, change, experimenting. Well, that's an initiating quick start. I'm a counter at quick start. So the requirements of teaching, it was draining me and I didn't understand why. And, and now, you know, I, I was able to adapt and change, but it took the wind out of me. So it, it was a really great personal dissatisfaction to know that is why, you know, the, the course went the way it did. It, and that's a great point. Like it, if you're working outside of your natural OS, your natural operating strength, it is going to take a toll on your soul. There, there are no ifs, ands, or buts about that. And I've experienced it myself personally. Whenever I have had to really work in more of that higher level fact finder, higher level follow through, and I'm working outside of that initiating quick start, I really do feel that brain drain, that energy drain. And so knowing that it, it once again to how we started this conversation that know thyself I, I, i'm gonna pick on you here for a little bit because i i literally i li and, and this is why and, and maybe you could provide some more context to this but this is why not only knowing your your own kobe colby profile but then also that of your team why this is so critical and really i would say different than say a disc or a myers-briggs because it, it's not about personality it comes down to operating strengths. And so I sent you a text message about this podcast. And it was yesterday. And I said, I said, I said, you up for me to interview on the podcast tomorrow? I said, I'm thinking Colby. And you said, yep, I can handle that. I said, Perfecto, this is going to be fun. I've been wanting to do this show for a while with you now. Such an important topic. And you said, sounds good. Yeah, maybe we can talk through a quick framework on the convo so that I'm prepared. And I said, no, just quick start it. <laughs> but knowing that you're a three quick start, I'm a nine quick start, I know that would put you in a little bit of an uncomfortable situation because it does come down to the adaptability back to the story that you just shared of, of, of just your teaching experience. So how has it been helpful to know and understand my Colby profile when working together as a team, and even some of our other other team members here, how is it helpful to really have that clarity of working together? Say, whenever if you didn't have that knowledge, what might that look like? Gosh, I can think of so many different areas that Colby has played into just our communication styles, uh, the way we get things done, and hold each other accountable. Just off the top of my head, you know, you being an initiating quick start. 
you're going to come every day rattling off a new idea, something else you want to do, something you want to implement this week. And so what, what I have been able to do is number one, be able to field you some questions. All right, James Robert, is this, is this a priority? Is this a today action item? Is this a next week action item? Or is this a next quarter action item? And, you know, most of the time it'll be a, put it on the next quarter, but it's important that I understand that because if I didn't have that clarification or if you didn't come to me with that clarification, it'd be on my to-do list and I'd be delivering it in a couple days. And I think you would start running dry because you would always have to be then moving into a higher initiating quick start area, which you can do for a short term, but if you're doing that day in and day out, it's going to drain you. So now on the flip side, knowing that you're a three, I'm a nine, I can come to you with a new idea, a new opportunity, but I I really try to just say, hey, this is going to go on in the innovation jar. It's something that we're going to come back and I'm going to probably get some more clarity around it so that I can communicate what that ideal future state is versus just, hey, here's the idea and then it takes you off focus which isn't fair and and thinking about that just just between the two of us and then other team members where might there be conflict cuz cuz you're working in the community and your own coaching calls where might there be conflict at a financial brand that could probably be easily resolved if if there was just clarity around Colby and then applying that knowledge, because it's one thing to know, it's another thing to actually apply that, act on it and grow. When we have looked at all of the different Colby's and I know you had mentioned, you know, the amount of assessments that we've, we've given over the years, we've been able to see some, some definite trends. And generally speaking, we tend to see initiating fact finders and counteracting quick starts, which makes perfect sense. You're dealing with people's money and that's a good thing. We want them to be risk averse, but I think recognizing this and knowing how we can make adjustments and surround ourselves with people who are in those other operating modes, you know, we can use those strategies and use our strengths together. And when you look at other departments like sales and marketing, that's where you tend to see your initiating quick start. And so it's important to kind of be able to fill all of these gaps and have team synergy. But the problem is, is when we have so many, say, high fact finders, there could be what we've seen a lot of is analysis paralysis. You get in the weeds, everyone gets bogged down. You know, we never make a decision because we're always asking questions. And so that's something that, you know, we've given some suggestions when you're going into a meeting, hey, bring an agenda. Pick your top three items, have a timekeeper, and implement that 80% rule. Um, yes. Yep. And, and I want to come back to that point because we've been utilizing Colby here as part of our program for really the last four or five years. It's something that I learned about it through an executive coaching program that I'm in, and it opened up my eyes in, in just completely new ways that I wish I would have learned this you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. I think it would have, would have prevented a lot of pain, not only for myself, but for others that I was just working with. And when you look at the, you know, the almost a thousand profiles that we've looked at over the, the, the last four to five years, you do see the initiating 
fact finder. You do see the initiating follow through. And if you are missing that that quick start internally, I understand why whenever you know a new idea or digital transformation is introduced into the organization, it does create some tension. It does create some conflict. And back to your point, it's the paralysis by analysis. It's why the decision-making cycles are so long, you know, sometimes 6, 12, 18 months to make a decision on something. But that can that can be almost deadly in today's, you know, world of, of just digital and the speed. And so that's where we've been operating on shorter cycles, these what I call 90-day growth cycles. It's a 90-day growth method. It's a way to really break a larger conversation topic up into these smaller chunks. How might that help, just from your own perspective, say an initiating fact finder or an initiating follow-through feel a little bit more comfortable when you take something large and, you know, because we do annual planning and we have a you know three to five year horizon, which I think is outdated at this point. COVID has shown us that, but you break it up into these 90 day, 90 day cycles, 90 day growth methods. Yeah, I think, I mean, it goes back to, to what the analogy you have, you have said, or the reference, excuse me, you've made so many times from Shel Silverstein, Melinda May, who ate the whale bite by bite. And I think because these high fact finders need so much information and they need to do all this research, if you break it up into these 90 day growth sprints, where you just focus on say your top three initiatives, you'll give them that whole 90 days to do all the research they want just on those top three initiatives. And that gives them a, a, a deadline of sorts so that it doesn't continue to go on and on and on because you know after that 90 days, a decision has to be made one way or another for you to continue to move forward. And and back to your point about Melinda May, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about that poem and it's one, it's a, it's a great action item for the dear listener. Go Google it, print it out, put it on your wall. I've had so many that I've coached and, and have advised over the years do just this because when you think about digital growth, it is so much to take on all at once. And, and the poem is this uh, from Shel Silver have you heard of tiny melinda may who ate the monstrous well she thought she could she said she would so she started right at the tell and everyone said melinda you're much too small but that didn't bother melinda at all she took little bites and chewed very slow just like a good girl should and it was melinda may eating that well bite by bite by bite as as we wrap up and this has been a fantastic conversation today audrey thank you so much for your your perspective your insights your expertise around such an important subject Let's play the game of start and stop, specifically when it comes to thinking about Colby. All growth, all progress begins with a very simple first step forward. What is one thing that you would recommend financial brands consider, their marketing team, their sales team, their leadership teams consider when it comes to applying the thinking that we've shared here today? Well, I would first start by recommending if you haven't already, visit uh, colby.com, K-O-L-B-E, and take the assessment. I would possibly start with just one department 
maybe round up your marketing department or round up even if you can get your leadership team, take your individual assessments. And what's great is when you take these assessments, you're provided with an entire analysis, a breakdown. Kathy Colby herself will give you a recording and explanation of each of the operating modes with different action items, different ways to combat stress and conflict. So if you have not already, I highly recommend taking your Colby profile. And you know, I want to do something special. I want to do something special for the dear listener. Text 832-549-5792. And the first 10 people that text that number and say, I want my Colby profile. This is something that we're going to do for you because we do so much of this already with financial brands. Text 832-549-5792, and Audrey will actually work with you to get your Colby profile so that you can know yourself even that much better going forward. So we'll do that for the first 10 listeners that text 832-549-5792, say, I want my Colby profile. Would love to make that a reality. So that's a great starting point. What would be something that you, because if we're going to start something new, what would be a recommendation for you to say, you know what, if we're going to start this, we need to stop this over here so that we can create the space and time to begin to focus on this, creating this new reality? Well, not to not to dig the other assessments that you're probably taking in-house, but maybe consider and compare the the different value that that it's bringing. I know a lot of people are working pretty heavily in the different and and disc and Myers Briggs and you know possibly ask yourself and and do a little bit of research. I know you can go onto colby.com and they've got some great research and findings if you're curious and and want to know more and and swap it out. Maybe instead of for that quarter try try this assessment. That's a fantastic point. And, you know, knowing that this industry over-indexes in fact-finding and over-indexes in follow-through, we know that this is probably just going to be the first initial touch point. I mean, we've done half-day workshops on this subject, and that's just the first step because then you can get into what are called Colby A2A comparisons. Absolutely. That's where you take your individual profile and then compare it to a team member that you're working with to go even deeper. And and back to your point, it, I don't think it's a, a dig at all at, at these other assessments. It's just a different way of looking at the world. And you might even be able to use these as, as complimentary, but knowing, knowing back to the works of Dr. Benjamin Hardy, personality isn't permanent. Personality can change over time based upon so many different variables where you look at the cognitive part of the brain, the operating system, the the natural operating strengths, those are pretty fixed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've, we've covered a lot today, Audrey. This has been an area of focus for you. It's been an area of growth for you. It's been something, like I said, we've been doing for the last four to five years as, as an organization. But if someone wants to connect with you to say hello, What's the best way for them to to find you? Absolutely. You can reach out to me at Audrey at digitalgrowth.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn at Audrey.Canada. Fantastic. Well, Audrey, this has been a lot of fun. 
different different perspective going inside today to bring some additional thinking outside to the dear listener to continue to educate empower and elevate you as always and until next time be well do good and make your bed Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. Like what you hear? Tell a friend about the podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify and subscribe while you're there. To get even more practical and proven insights, visit www.digitalgrowth.com to grab a preview of James Robert's best-selling book, Banking on Digital Growth, or order a copy right now for you and your team from Amazon. Inside you'll find a strategic marketing and sales blueprint framed around 12 key areas of focus that empower you to confidently generate 10 times more loans and deposits. Until next time, be well and do good.